many are getting rich, many are failing, and many have fallen in their faith. Learn how to become an overcomer in this end time through the anointed teachings of Pastor Ebenezer Okonifa. Pastor Ebenezer Okonifa is an emerging voice and a leader in this end time movement of faith. His message centers on faith, the Holy Spirit, and the realities of the new creation in Christ. He is a senior pastor of Overcomers Nation Church and president of Ebenezer Kodipa Ministries in Accra, Ghana. Become inspired, empowered, and enlightened as you listen to the life-transforming message of God's Word through His special servant. And now, today's message. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. We are grateful to you. Thank you for your abiding presence in this place. And tonight, we declare that we shall receive from you. Amen. And our lives will never be the same again. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone shall glory. glory. Lift up your right hand wherever you are. See, Father. Father. Tonight, tonight I, declare, I declare my heart is open. My, heart is my open. mind is ready, mind is ready to, receive to receive with humility, with humility, humility the, word of God, the word of God that can transform my life. Transform and change my circumstances. Say tonight. I will receive from the Lord. My life, my life, my life shall never do the same again. In the name of Jesus, give the Lord a shout and celebrate Him as He takes your seat. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Precious Holy Spirit, we are here to receive from you, to be made better by your word, to be enlightened by your word, to be transformed by your word. Indeed, your word is the agent that you have ordained for our transformation. And tonight we shall receive a word that will transform us and our lives will never be the same again. One thing I pray, precious Holy Spirit, that open the hearts of your children. Let understanding come. Let quickness of insight be granted and may our lives never be the same again. Thank you, precious Lord, that we are here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Oh, I said amen and amen. Your amen must rise louder. Amen and amen. amen. Let your amen touch me on the altar. Amen and amen. amen. Let your amen massage me a bit. Amen and amen. amen. Give the Lord a clap offering now. This year is our year of the promised land. It's our year of the promised land. And it is important that right from the beginning of the year, we understand what the Lord is speaking to us. What are the reference points? What are we to expect? What are we to uh, see in our lives? What are we to strive for? And above all, how are we to ensure that these words that the Lord has given us, they come to pass or they manifest in our lives? They manifest in our lives. It is of vital importance. Many people are told what to do, but they are not told how to do what to do. Many people are told to pray, but they are not told how to pray. Many people are told to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but they are not told how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Many people are even told to fast, but they are not told how to fast effectively. And so it becomes as though Christianity becomes a struggle, a struggle uh, of futility for some people. For some, it's as 
as though I have been praying and I have been praying and I'm not seeing any change in my life. What is the problem? Is there a problem with me? Or is there a problem with God? Or is there a problem with my church? Or is there a problem with my pastor? Or is there no God at all? Glory to Jesus Christ. So, it is important that we understand the house of the scriptures so that we can see the reality of God's word manifested in our lives. When Joshua took over from uh, Moses as the leader of the children of Israel, leading them into the land of promise, the man was very concerned because the one he had taken over was a man of signs and wonders, a man who had many strange manifestations. So the people that he was to lead, even though they were stubborn and a rebellious people, they feared the man, and whatever the man spoke, it was taken as coming direct from God. And so people take it trembling and shaken. Why? Because they know that if they go against the word of this man, there are examples to show that it, it could go very badly for you. So here is a, a young man that has been given the charge over three, over, uh, over three million individuals, various mentalities, various mindsets, and was supposed to lead them into a land of promise. The Bible tells us that when this as Joshua was contemplating this thing, worried about how his leadership was going to turn out, the Lord manifested himself to him and began to give him guidance by his word. He told him that he should be of good courage, that as he had been with Moses, so shall he be with him. And then he began to show him what he needed to do. So, the how is of vital importance. How was he going to be successful? He said, I'll be thou strong and be very courageous. And he began to show him the how of his success. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And thou shalt observe to do all that is written therein. For in this you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. So it was not just that you were going to be successful and prosperous. He showed him how he was going to do it. So it is of vital importance that you understand the hows of our work with God. The precepts. The lines upon lines, here a little, there a little, they all come together to make us become the people that God has purpose for us to be. That is why teaching services are of vital importance, because in teaching services, it's not just a prophetic service where we are making declarations, but now we begin to look at the practicality of God's word and how we can apply it in our lives. I pray tonight that God will open your eyes and give you insights into the word of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Tonight, I want to just continue where I left off last week. Uh, I was talking about the promised land. Tonight, um, we are talking about the blessedness of the land of promise. The blessedness of the land of promise. Look, that promised land that God spoke concerning to the children of Israel was a land of abundance, a land of supply, a land where they will eat and be full. A land where their little efforts will yield great results. A land where they enjoy the favor of God. In fact, in the words of Moses, it said, it shall be like heaven on earth. It shall be like heaven on earth. It shall be like heaven on earth. I shared with you earlier uh, that any time God calls somebody, God calls the person and gives the person a place. God called Adam and he placed Adam in Eden. Eden was not a place of suffering. Eden was a place of supply. Eden was a place of nourishment. Eden was a place where Adam found his assignment and everything was working together for the good of Adam in Eden. So Eden was a promised land that to Adam. It was a place of fulfillment of the faithfulness of God. When God called Abraham, he said, I am sending you to a certain land. So he gave him the Canaan land. 
He gave him Canaan land. This was further, uh, this prophecy or this promise was further ratified when God called the children of Israel out of Egypt and he told them that I'm going, I'm sending you to a land and it's a land that is, is, is flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance and a land of supply. And Bible will tell, but the Bible teaches that this land was the same land that God prophesied to Abraham. So for the children of Israel, the promised land was a prophecy come to pass. The promised land was the promises of God holding strong and holding true. I decree over your life that this year the promise of God will hold strong and true over your life. You will see the faithfulness of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Furthermore, Jesus, when he, before he would depart, he told us that he's going to prepare a place for us. A place for us. So there's a place that God has prepared for every one of God. Or every one of his children. Now, so to us as children of God, or as, as the people of God, what is the promised land? Is the promised land talking about heaven? In most of Christian theology, you realize that many people, when we talk about Canaan land or the land of promise, you remember the, the other day I shared with you that uh, it, the Old Testament was written in types and shadows. In other words, almost everything in the Old Testament is symbolic, telling us of, about something that was supposed to come in future. The reality, the Bible said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth, reality, came by Jesus Christ. So what God was really working to us was Jesus Christ. And everything that is connected to us is in Christ. Hallelujah. So in the Old Testament, we see a lot of types. We see a lot of shadows, allegories. Uh, we, see, uh, we see us in a glass. We see shadows. We see um, uh, symbolic language. And all of that is telling us of what God has purpose for us. So in some Bible scholarly uh, interpretations of the promised land, they say that the promised land is not about anything on earth. It is about heaven. And they say that uh, the wilderness is our journey through the earth. So, so, whilst we are going through the earth, we are facing suffering and we are going through a lot of pain and we are going to a land. We are on our way to heaven. Only Christian can, Christians can go there. So, let us praise the Lord right now, left now, middle now. We are traveling. You see, so many Christians have their ideology that we are going somewhere. So, because of this mentality, we are not able to focus on our inheritance here on earth. Many people are not able to possess their possessions here on earth. Because their whole focus is that I am making it to heaven. I am making it to heaven. Everything on this earth is not, uh, this earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. That's only what it is. What do I do? The heavens back on me. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. You see, when you were back in school, you were giving exams and instead of filling the blank spaces. So please, we are still in school. Hallelujah. So anything I didn't hear is an exam to you, filling the blank spaces. Give a cup of to Jesus. But you see, those are the songs that we're trained with. So everything is about making it to heaven. The heavens beckon me. So we are, we are, our more mentality is trained towards heaven. But you see, I stand to differ with that school of thoughts. The Canaan land or the promised land that the Bible was speaking about was not a type of heaven. Was not a type of heaven. Why? In heaven, there are no Amalekites to fight. But the promised land had Amalekites to fight. 
He has enemies. He has Jebusites. He has Anakites. All kinds of uh, difficulties and enemies that were going to rise up against the children of God. In heaven, we don't fight demons. In heaven, Satan is not there to uh, fight us or to intimidate us or to stop us or, or prevent us from obtaining our inheritance. But in the promised land, we, we, we go through that before they are able to possess. They are able to possess. So the promised land is not a type of heaven. It's not something that we are going to receive in the sweet by and by when we are passed on into eternity. No. The promised land actually is the place, it's a realm right here on earth where we are walking in the fullness of the promise of God. When we are walking in the manifestation of the Spirit of God, able to overcome the flesh and able to possess and lay hold on our inheritance right here on earth. Because it is on earth that we are supposed to exercise our faith, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on things that have been made available unto us. It is here on this earth that we are going to face demons, we are going to face oppositions, we are going to face challenges that we have to overcome. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. He said, I leave you peace. I have overcome, I have overcome this world for you. So, the promised land is not about waiting for an inheritance in heaven. Yes, we have an inheritance in heaven. As children of God, we have an inheritance in heaven. But right here on this earth, there's an inheritance that God has prepared for us. And it will take a certain revelation and understanding to possess it. The possession of the promises of God. The promises of God are not just made available to us when we get to heaven. No, the promises of God are for us right here. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. Look at what the apostle tells uh, the, 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 the believers that he was living. He said that, now I commend you unto God. Are you writing something at all? I commend you unto God and unto the word of his grace, which is able to do what? Build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. I commend you unto God and unto the word of his grace. He was not commending them to God for them in heaven. No, it was right there on earth. There is an inheritance for the children of God. And we need to learn how to possess our inheritance. This year you will possess your inheritance. I said this year you will possess your inheritance. It shall be an inheritance of wealth and abundance where you lack nothing. Where sicknesses are not able to prevail over you. Where the struggles of the flesh, struggles with demons, struggles with the systems of this world, those struggles are, are, are brought down, are, are subdued by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a realm in the spirit. A realm of power. A realm of glory. Glory to Jesus Christ. So, last week I shared with you about some of the characteristics of the promised land. And I said, number one, it is a good land. I gave you some scriptures to back. I hope you're able to go and read them. Joshua chapter 23, verse 15. I shared, uh, even our foundation scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. It tells us that the land is a good land. Verse 10 tells us that when you're eating and you're full, you know that God has really brought you into a good land. Number two, I said it's a land full of milk and honey. Number three, I said it was a land that was watered by heaven and not by labor, and not by labor. Where you are using your flesh, you have to work hard for everything. You have to struggle for everything. The promised land that is not that kind of land. It's a land where God is our helper. It's a land where the Bible said the eyes of the Lord are on that land, and He's concerned about that land. He's concerned about the welfare of that land, and that is the place that He brings us to. 
And that is the place that he brings his children, his beloved people to. Number four, I said it is a land that is cared for by God himself. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 12. Number five, the eyes of the Lord are upon the land. The same scripture. Number six, I said it was a land, the Bible tells us, it's a land of no scarcity. Where there's no scarcity. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse number 7 to 9. I just read it to you. It said, in that land you shall lack nothing. In verse number in verse number 9, you lack nothing in that land. There will be no scarcity. You eat bread without scarceness. Oh my God. Somebody went to buy bread and, and divided the bread into a number of pieces. No, and the pieces, he was going to take one at a time. Not because the person was doing fasting or the person was doing uh, weight. How do you call that thing? Uh, dieting. <laughs> but just because <laughs> if he finishes uh, the next few days, it will be a, a struggle. This year it shall not be so. I say it shall not be so. I say it shall not be so. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Christ. Anybody you get money and before the end of the month, the money is finished, this year God is going to turn your situation around. I said God is going to turn your situation around in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Can I prophesy into somebody's life? This year, you are going to be one of the biggest givers in the house of God. When people are giving big, you will not be sitting down looking at them and eyeing them. You will be one of them. Receive that grace now. I said receive that grace now. Why? Because God will cause your heels, uh, and you go and be digging brass, precious things from your heels. So shall it be. As a so shall it be. In the name of Jesus Christ. In that land, there will be multiplication of resources. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 to 11. The Bible spoke to us that in that land, they were going to inherit houses that they did not build. They were going to inherit wells that they did not dig. They were going to inherit uh, vineyards, farms, that they did not plant by, their, by themselves. God was going to, God had prepared everything for them. So I told you earlier that in this year, the Lord told me that this is a year where he has prepared for us. There are things that God has made available. God has made available. Somebody was sharing a, a testimony with me just today, and uh, he was supposed to he was, he was supposed to travel somewhere. And uh, in the traveling, the travel was the will of God because God had opened the door for that travel to take place. But now, how the means to travel had become a struggle. He was wondering where the, the means, the financial aid for him to be able to engage in that travel was going to come from. And so whilst he was lying, uh, he was lying down, the Spirit of God began to put on his heart. You know, he was looking for money to buy a ticket. But then the Spirit of God had already prepared a car for him. So the Spirit of God started putting inside that prayer about a car for the journey. Prayer about a car for the journey. Kotu was saying that, ah, even money to buy a ticket for the journey, I'm not getting in a car. Master, let me just pray. So he prayed half-heartedly, and then he let it go. The next time he prayed, uh, I think, uh, he prayed again. Uh, the impression came again very strongly. He prayed again and let it go. Oh, before he realized, somebody had called him and said, ah, have you bought the ticket? Don't buy the tickets anymore. I left my car uh, in Accra. Why don't you, can you drive? Why don't you pick back that car and then drive and bring the car with you to me? That's where you are going. And the person even sent, he said, I'm sending you fuel coupons <laughs> so that you buy fuel into that car. Is this not an example of a preparation? So this year, God has prepared this year for us. You are going to see more of these testimonies. 
You leave the house and you don't know where you are going, but before you return, abundance has come to you. Receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. So that was the characteristics or the picture of the land that the children of Israel inherited. Now, we are not the children of Israel, are we? We are Christians. This was talking about what the, 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 the believers in the Old Testament inherited. But we are a type of the Old Testament believers. We are in a New Testament, a new covenant. So in Christ, is it about going to Canaan land? Is it about us getting some plane tickets and then going to uh, uh, the, 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 the east and going to possess the land of the Israelites? No. No, because, you see, most, in most cases, the Israelites represent a fiscal representation of what God has given us spiritually. Spiritually. So, while they were inheriting things from a physical perspective, our inheritance was now what coming from the Spirit. So, for the New Testament believer, I'm going to give you a few points to indicate to you what our inheritance, what is our promised land in Christ Jesus. Number one, for the New Testament believer, our place, our promised land is our place in Christ. Our place in Christ, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, listen, you cannot become born again except you have entered into Christ. So if you are in Christ, if any man be in Christ, your place in Christ. When you are born again, the Bible tells us that we are translated from a one kingdom and we are sent into another. It's just the same way the children of Israel were brought out of the land of Egypt, the land of bondage and captivity, and they were sent into the land of uh, in, in, into the, into the land of promise, into the place that God had prepared for them. For us, as children of God, the place God prepared for us is in Him. So our inheritance is in Him. So when you study the New Testament, you see so many references of in Him. In Him we live, we have our being. Uh, in Him, in Him, in Him. In Christ, in Him, in Christ, in Him. Because our placement, when you are born again, you are catapulted from where you are, and you are brought into a new kingdom. That kingdom is Christ. You are placed in Him, in its a preposition is a word of placement, a word of position. So we are carried and our placement is now in Christ. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter number 1, you read from verse 9 to the verse number 11, where the Bible tells us that, that in the fullness of time is gathering all things in one, even in Christ Jesus. He's gathering all things, everything, so having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself let's continue that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together all things in where where oh come on talk to me where so everything is being gathered in Christ all of us everything that pertains to the will of God is being brought to a one place and so there is a gathering there is a, a, a Hebrew uh, f- uh, festival, which is called the Festival of, in- festival of Ingathering. And, and during that festival, everybody gathers together and they, are, they bring their first fruit before the Lord. Where, whichever country where you are working or you are resident in, everybody comes and they meet, they meet at Shiloh or they meet in Jerusalem just to celebrate the Lord. So that, that is the last festival that is about to take place in the spirits. That is the last festival that's about to take place in the spirit. When that festival takes place, that is the rapture. We'll be gathered, all of us will be gathered in Christ. 
is going to be a harvesting on the earth. It's going to be a harvesting on the earth. When we talk about a rapture, it is not just a one-time occurrence. No, there are different raptures that the Bible talks about in the Bible. Different raptures. So there's going to be the rapture of the church, and then there's going to be the rapture of the believers, uh, or the saints who are in the earth after the first rapture is taking place, those who are going through the tribulation. There's going to be the rapture of the, uh, the children of Israel who would have turned to the Lord, and then there's going to be the rapture of the two witnesses. The two witnesses that God will send in the end times come and preach and will be killed by the Antichrist. They will lie, uh, in, they will lie in Jerusalem. Everybody will see them all over the world. They will be exposed all of, in three days time. The Bible said they will be resurrected and they will continue preaching and with, with manifestations of mighty power. And when they have, they have done their time, the Bible said they will be raptured, they will be carried into heaven. They'll be carried into heaven. So it is, it's an ingathering. We are, we'll, be, we'll be being brought to our place in the heavens for the, the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage feet of the Lamb. Amen and amen. Let, don't let me lose you. Uh, something I will share about in due time. Amen and amen. So there's going to be an ingathering. And the Bible is telling us that the gathering has started taking place. Is gathering everything together in Christ. So when you got born again, you were actually brought into a congregation. That is why it is called the church. Do you know what church means? It means a gathering, an assembly. Ecclesia, the Greek word for church, ecclesia. Ecclesia means a bringing together of specially selected people. So they are all coming from their different places and they are brought together. And you read from the book of Revelation, the Bible says he has gathered out of every tribe, every language, every people. So in the body of Christ, in church, we don't do tribalism. We don't say that, oh, that's what we are the, we are the fancy cocos. Sabah, sabah, zay, sabah, zay group. Uh, oh, we are the, we are the, uh, uh, the Volta cocos, uh, Esegoma group. Amen and amen. Or oh, we are the Dangme cocos. Group. Or we are the Gang Cocos. Group. No. Hallelujah. We are, there's also not the French Cocos. What is a silver player? We are not. No, we are not. And there's also not uh, the, the Spanish Cocos. Where we talk about Chow. <laughs> amen and amen. Take it like that. Spanish, <laughs> ah. Hallelujah. Give a clap of praise to Jesus. In Christ we are one. Say we are one. Look to somebody beside and tell the person we are one. Now if you don't flatter that person a good smile, we know you are, you are not born again. Look at the person, smile at the person, and look at the person eyeball to eyeball. Say we are one. If I look at the person and tell the person you look like me. Hey. <laughs> let me, let me leave this one here. <laughs> Give a clap of friends to the Lord. Uh, I say give a clap of friends to the Lord. Hallelujah. So, our place is in Christ. So, the promised land for the child of God is Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. Number two, what is the promised land for the New Testament believer? It is our place of the fullness of the manifestation of the Spirit of Christ. When we come into Christ, we come as babes. So, even though we are in Christ, the enjoyment of the land, we are not able to experience. Why? Because we come as a babe. Is a baby a full human being? Is a baby a full human being? Oh, come on. A baby is a full... No, I can see some... Uh, uh, is a baby a full human being? 
come on, talk to me. Be, don't be afraid. Eh? Somebody says yes and no. So all the no's, let me see your hands, your right hand up. All of you know a baby is not a full human being. All right, I see one hand at the back, and I see another hand in front here. Awesome. Oh, how can a baby be a full human being? Ah, you people, bah. Is a baby a full human being? Oh, please, all the nose, lift up your hand, let me see you. How can a baby be a full human being? Look at a baby, yeah? A baby is a baby a full human being? No. Amen, amen. Okay, is a baby a full human being? The yes group, let me see your hand up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the I don't know group, let me see your hand up. The pastor, you are confusing me, group two. Let me see your hand up. <laughs> amen and amen. Please, for <laughs> with all due respect, a baby is a full human being. <laughs> Glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. The baby is a full human being. The baby is not an animal. The baby is a full human being. But the baby may not be able to do everything human beings do. Why? Because the baby is a baby. A human beings are supposed to walk on two legs, like I'm walking right now. But I see a baby crawling like a horse or like a dog or going on all fours. In fact, before a baby even begins to crawl, the baby will be wiggling like a snake. Will be crawling, moving on the ground like some animal. Why? It has not yet learned how to possess and take charge of its body and function as a human being. It's the same thing when we come into Christ. You come as a baby. You come as a baby. So when you come into Christ and you want to enjoy the fullness of Christ, you need to desire to grow. So this day, if you are going to possess your place in Christ, spiritual maturity is something that you should be, you should be desiring and fighting for. Spiritual maturity. That you make progress and advancement in the spirits. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 8 to 11. The Bible says, or rather, chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. The Bible says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. In the preamble is when the Bible spoke about how Christ gave unto us apostles, uh, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and the likes. Why? To come and work on the church. To bring the church into a place of maturity. And it says that, till we come in the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That word perfect man is complete man. It means mature man. So, and no longer a babe. So we come to a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, there's a place that every child of God needs to get to known as the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. At that stage, you can... Let, let, me, let me reach the verse 14 to us. Let's read the verse number 14. You see a colon over there telling us, whatever you see in the Bible, you see, when you're reading your Bible, you want to understand the Bible very well. Look at the tenses. Look at the punctuations. Look at the sentence structures. Is what you are reading, is it a present tense? Is it a future or is it a past tense? The punctuations is a sentence complete. Or the sentence is part of a se- another sentence. Look at the, um, the parentheses. Is it in brackets? The one in brackets is just an idea that has been placed over there to help you understand. But if you remove what is in brackets, the sentence will still continue perfectly. 
When you begin to look at the Bible in this way, now the Bible now begins to speak to you. The Bible talks to you because now meaning comes to you from what you are reading. Things are not messed up. You understand that communication is taking place. So you see a a colon. A colon, when you are writing your name, you write name, colon, and then you write what? Your actual name. Meaning the name over there, your full name that you have written, is a description of the name. So it's giving, showing further light to what was written before the colon. So when he said that, so we come into to the fullness of the, the fullness of Christ, the colon now tells us, in that state, what, what do you see? That we will no more be, what? Children. Remember he said that, unto a perfect man, a mature man, a full man, and in that state you are no more a child. So 14 is in a way trying to let us understand 13 much better. When we are in the place of maturity, he said that we are no more children and we are not tossed to and fro. Meaning it doesn't happen that today I'm sick, tomorrow I'm healthy. Today I'm down, tomorrow I'm up. We, we don't go through the topsy-turvy life that we use when we have most, as a baby Christians we experience. Oh, today I'm happy. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Basha Korenegia. Am I even born again at all? Huh. There's something wrong with me. So you see, your Christianity is mixed up. Today you are emotionally strong. Tomorrow you are down and broken and in tears. You see, it tells you that you are still a child. You can be tossed to and fro. You hear something on radio and all of a sudden the thing worries you. Or somebody tells you something. So you look at the ugly face. Ah, you are, you, are, you are tossed off the radar. You see, your life is up and down. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. So one minute I love God. The next minute so I don't even believe in this Christianity. You, know. you see, tossed to and fro. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. And the Bible says, and cunningness, the slight of men. Uh, the slight of men. And cunning craftiness, where we, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So, God wants us, in the promised land, is a place we need to advance in maturity, so that we may possess and enjoy the best of the land. This year you are going to grow. I said this year you are going to grow. And as you grow, you will possess. What is the promised land to the New Testament believer? Number three, is the place of rest in Christ. It's the place of rest in Christ. When we come into Christ, we have come to a place of rest. It is a place of rest from our labor. I shared with you that in the Old Testament, it was a place where their land was watered by the dew of heaven. The waters of heaven, not the waters of labor. In Christ, it's a place of rest. Now, rest doesn't mean that you are just sleeping. No, it actually means that you are working from the position of rest. You are not laboring. It is not a place it, it, some people can go and they will be going to work until the work causes them, cripples them or causes them to fall sick. That is not rest. That is not rest. That is not rest. In rest, you are resting whilst working. So in rest, you don't labor to live. You are actually working. There's a difference between your job and work. Job is to give you something to eat to earn you a living. Work is to fulfill purpose. It's to fulfill purpose. Many people are locked in the labor of jobs because they need to earn a living. But when you are working, you work with joy. You know that this is the place of my assignment. You enjoy what you are doing. 
when I pick the microphone to minister like this, I enjoy what I'm doing. Are you understanding me? I enjoy what I'm doing. Why? Because this is the work. This is my assignment on earth. Are you getting me? So God rewards me for fulfilling my work. Amen and amen. So working as, as, as you work from rest. And God wants us to come to the place of rest. Hebrews 4, 8 to 11. Is that if Jesus had given them rest. Now this Jesus over here is not talking about Jesus the Christ. He's talking about Joshua. The Greek version of Joshua is Jesus. Amen and amen. So when you read this, don't get confused. Ah, then Jesus didn't give us rest. No. He's saying that if Joshua in the Old Testament... So he was making a reference to Joshua who took over from Moses in the Old Testament to lead them into the land of promise. Why? He was trying to tell us that the real promised land, the real place of rest, is not actually the physical Canaan land. But there's a real, real place of rest. So he said, if Joshua, so let me use Joshua there just to avoid confusing people. If Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Of another day, let's go on, please, quickly. There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. We are the people of God. Lift up your right hand. Say, I'm, God, I'm, I'm part of the people of God. Say, we are the people of God. We should understand these things. We are the people of God. We proceed from God. So there remained a rest for the people of God. Let's continue. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has seen from what? His own works. His own works, as God did from his. Other verses that he has stopped his labors. He has ceased from his labors, just like God did. What, on the seventh day, the Bible said God rested. So he was speaking of a day in the seventh day, a place in the seventh day, a place of rest. Isn't it beautiful that when God created Adam, the first day he saw was the day of rest. So Adam was created into the rest of God. The rest of God, that is the promised land. It's that promise. So we are called to rest. We are called to rest. Said, and he has seen from his own words as God did from his. So there remained a rest for the people of God. Verse 11 tells us something very significant. Let us do what? Let's read together. One, two, go. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So, my focus over right now is the first part. Let us labor to enter into the rest. Doesn't it sound ambiguous? How can we labor to enter rest? There's rest and labor. Amen and amen. The soft would have told us certain things, but hopefully we'll go into that later. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. But then my point over here is that there's a rest for us. Oh, hallelujah. Say I'm at rest. Say I'm at rest. Say I'm at rest. In the promised land, you are at rest. Listen, we need to learn to come to the place where we accept the truth of these things. We accept the truth of God's word and stop trying to fight with our own energy for everything. We seem to want to labor for everything. Stop laboring. Rest. Tell somebody rest. When you are resting, rest actually means depending on God's ability. Labor means depending on your own ability. Resting means depending on God's ability. So, in the place of rest, your labor is a, a labor of the word and a labor of faith. That's why it says that fight the good fight, the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Our warfare is a warfare of faith. We are winning. 
I said we are winning. Number four. The place, the promised land for the New Testament believer is our place of the blessings in Christ. In our promised land, there is an abundance of blessings. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us insight. Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what? Blessed us. Come on, let's read together. What has he done? He has what? Bless us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? He said that in Christ again. So in Christ you have all blessings. Say I'm blessed. Do you believe it? You see, you need to accept what I'm saying. If you're in Christ, say that you are blessed. Ah, There's no cursed person in Christ. There's no cursed person in Christ. I'm blessed. Say I'm blessed. Say I'm blessed. You see, when we accept these things, you realize that the blessing will begin to superimpose over anything that describes itself as a case in our lives. We need to know who we are and to possess our place in Christ. So, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him, in him, look at that. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated unto us the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. We have been called to a place of blessings. Number five, the promised land to the New Testament, New Testament believer. It is our place of inheritance in Christ. I've already shared with you this, Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. He said, and, we, uh, uh, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to deliver unto you, give you an inheritance amongst all them that are sanctified. There's an inheritance that we have received as children of God. And then number six, I'll end, I'll end uh, that session with that. What is the place of our new, of our promised land? It is the place where all things are working. Hallelujah. All things are working and they are working together for our good. Where there's no struggle. Listen, God has not called us to struggle. God has not called us to struggle. That we will struggle for everything. Struggle for school fees. Struggle for money. Struggle for healing. Struggle for this. Struggle for that. There's a place around where we get to nothing. There's nothing called struggle. No, no, no. Not that there are no challenges, but even in the challenges, we keep winning. We keep winning. We keep winning. It's as though, it's just like our, our, our brother's testimony. It's as though things have been prepared for us already. So, no matter what the devil throws at us, when he throws his best arrows, everything begins to work together for us to come out victorious. You are winning. I say you are winning. I say you are winning. Hallelujah. Now, let me end off today's uh, message with this, or this teaching, the teaching with this. You realize in the verse number 11 of Hebrews 4 that we read, he said that let us labor to enter into the rest. Let us labor to enter into that rest. You notice in the Old Testament that even though God had given them the prophecy that they are going into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, when they got to that land, they, 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 they did not just possess the land. The possession of the land came with some effort. When they went and entered the land, the enemies or the, 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 the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Anakites and all the eyes who were there, they did not just play dead and then disappear from the land. No. The Bible told, says that God told them 
and they went with wars. They went with battles and they went with wars. And they went to possess the land. So it, the, the, the labor that we, is, we are talking about here, about over here, is about how, the efforts that we engage to take possession of the land. So there are things that we need to do. There are things that we need to do. I'm going to read something to you. We've already read uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Let me read from the verse number 1. I'm going to read very fast because I have very little time. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being made, lest a, a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you shall seem to come short of it. Now, if you read from the, uh, the chapter number 3, he was telling us about, uh, it was making reference to the situation at Kadesh Vanir in Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 14, where the children of Israel just on, uh, uh, just when they were about to enter the land, they rebelled against God and they expressed unbelief. Unbelief. I'll teach you about unbelief uh, in the coming weeks. And because of their unbelief, they were not able to possess the land. And so he was telling us that the, the message was not preached to us first. Too. The message of the promised land was first preached to a certain group of people. But because of their unbelief, they were not able to inherit what had been promised them. So an entire generation perished in the wilderness. So this is the mentality he's, he's speaking from. I just wanted to have this understanding so as I read, you know what he's talking about. He said, in the verse number 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that had it. So you see, the message about the promise and we did not receive it first. They received it first and yet it did not profit them. Why? They did not mix it with faith. They did not know how to handle that word. The verse number 3, the Bible says for we which have believed do enter into rest, as it said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall, ent- they, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. This is a lot to talk about over here. For he spoke of a certain place in the seventh day. I told you about the place, the subject of place. We are called unto a place. He spoke of a certain place in the, of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Verse number 5. And in this place again, he said, If they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore he remained that, that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached, enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he's limited a certain day, saying in, in David, today. So David also prophesied it. David spoke about the a day called today. He said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. Let's have the right hand. This one area, um, maybe we'll have to make time to really talk into detail about that. Harden not your hearts. The hardness of our hearts. You see, we are born again, but some of us, our hearts are hardened. Our hearts are hardened. So God is not able to have his full place in our lives. Let's have the right hand. Say, Father, break my heart. Say, Father, break me. Break me so that I can be molded by your word. In the name of Jesus. Say, Father, take away any hard heart of stone and put in me a heart of flesh. In the name of Jesus Christ. He said, in that day, this is the day, the day that God is speaking to you about promise, and that is the day he's talking about. Harden not your heart. And for instance, some people, I'm sharing with you about the subject of the promised land, and say, here he goes again, messages of hope in Guam. Oh, ah, no, no, this, I don't think it's really possible. I don't think, and then he said, ah, even look at this person, look at what he's going through. No, no, no. 
Then I, no, 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 this thing cannot be. This is fairy tales. Fairy tales. Hardness of heart is what is worrying you. Hardness of heart is what is worrying you. And you see, there are amazing things that even though you may not say it with your mouth, God, I may not see you, but God sees your heart. She says, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Let's continue. For if, Jesus, if Joshua has, had given them rest, he would not have spoken of, of another day. That is the day called today. He said, there remained therefore a rest for the people of God. He that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, that we may enter into his rest. So he says, let us labor, that we may enter into his rest. How are we going to labor? The verse number 12 tells us something over there. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrows and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He said, for there's nothing hidden from him with him we have to do. The labor in the spirit, the labor to enter into the rest of God is a labor of the word. It's a labor of the word. You see, when we get to the place where we are laboring to get into God's word, to get into it, listen, it, it is exactly so. How do I know this? When Mo- Joshua, you know, Joshua, when he took over from Moses, he was supposed to continue the assignment of now, cause leading them to enter into the land, right? Come on, talk to me. Are, are, are we, are we, is, is that true? And how was he going to be prosperous and successful in that assignment? Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Was it not about the word? He said that this book of the Lord shall not depart out of that. The man was wondering, how am I going to take these people into the land of promise? Before God even tells him that set up an army and set up groups, he said that this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. A labor of the word. We have got to get to the place. Is it some, can I tell you the mistake that most of us are making? We are looking for the strategy that will bring us that money. We are looking for that man that will, bring, that will become our husband. We are looking for that woman that will become our wife. And it has consumed our hearts and our minds so much. We are looking for that job or that business idea that will bring my breakthrough. And so, but you see, according to the word of God, according to God, this must come after the word. After the word. It is only when you start on the premise of the word that you are able to enter into your rest without sweat. Anything before the word comes with struggles. Comes with struggles. Comes with struggles. I don't know whether somebody is getting me. But see, and the reason it is a, a faith work is because, come on, how can, you be, how can I want to have a multi-million dollar business Whilst people are looking at various strategies and going to schools and going for seminars by which they can build multi-million dollar businesses. And you are telling me that, my, I should go and read the Bible. I should start off by reading the Bible. That doesn't make sense. Even the way I've said it doesn't even sound more discouraging than even how you are thinking about it. <laughs> when people are looking for capital to set up their businesses, you are telling me that I should go and pick the capital from the word. But that's why he said it's by faith and not by sight. It is a labor of the word. A labor of the word. This year, if you are going to give attention to the word of God, 
If you are going to give attention to the word of God and become like Joshua, that this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. And you know that one of the problems people have is when they now base everything on prayer. So, instead of going to get the word of God, now they go, Father, Father, Father. And then we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And we still go through struggle and struggle and struggle. Why? Because we don't have the foundation of the word. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The word of God. It's a battle of the word. After I told them, leper into the word. Fall. The word of God. Fall means that he's, he's, he, he, he's continuing the thought from the previous scripture. Or from the previous verse. Or from the previous statement that he had made. For the word of God is quick and active. Do you know the amazing thing? The word that is still used over there is no rima. For the logos of God is just like this book of the law. The logos of God. So, he was not talking about rima. If it was about rima, then you're speaking in tongues and praying all the time is, 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 is right. But he said that no. Go Rashima Hastalavaya. The things that God has spoken concerning us already. The directions he has given us. His logos. His purpose, his mind, his will that he has made available to us. Let us go to that word. And let us go and labor in that word. It is just like the manna that God gave the children of Israel. When it came, many people think that they didn't pick the manna and start eating. No. They had to break the manna. They had to break it into powder. They had to knead it. And then they had to bake it before the essence. So the manna represented the word of God. When it came, it came, it did not look like food that could be eaten. It did not look like a miracle that it was going to produce. The word of God that you are seeing, John 3, 16, as John 3, 16, doesn't look like your miracle marriage. <laughs> but when it has been processed, when it has been beaten, when it has been crushed, it has been kneaded and molded, and then it has been baked. By the time you are done with the manna, you see that you have cake. You see that you have cake. By the time you be done with the word of God, you see that your miracle was actually in the word. Your promised land was actually in the word. This year, I see God putting his word into somebody's spirits. And that word is going to direct you into your inheritance. I said, that word is going to direct you into into your inheritance. You are going to receive your possessions. Why? Because the word of God, the word of God, the word of God will come alive to you. Glory to Jesus Christ. Lift up your right hand. Say this year. I am laboring in the word. Say, I am laboring in the word. Say, the word of God is bringing faith to me. And by faith in the word, I'm going to possess my possession. Say, this is my year of the promised land. Say, this is my year of the promised land. Say, this is my year of the promised land. Say, I'll possess my possession in the promised land. Acts chapter 20 verse 32, we are going to pray meditating on this scripture. He said, now I commend you unto the God. And unto the word of his grace. And he said that that word is able to build you up. Can you give the full scripture? Okay, in one slide. And it's able to build you up. Listen, there are things I want to talk about. I want to talk about warfare prayer. I'll talk about that later. I want to talk about the presence of God. I want to talk about faith. Glory to Jesus Christ. A number of elements that come in for us to possess our land. But I see all of those elements are contingent on the word. 
without the word, we will not be able to possess any of those things. The foundation of everything is the word. The foundation of everything is the word. I don't know whether you want to see the glory of God this year, but it's about the word of God. It's about the word of God. This year, be a word at it. That word will build you. I think God empowering somebody to possess. Amen. If you give attention to the word, you'll be built up. If you give attention to the word, you'll be strengthened. And out of that strength, you possess the land. Caleb said, Ah, I am 85 years now. And I'm still strong enough to possess that mountain. The strength is what you need. You are praying in the spirit. You say that, Father, build me up by your word. Hallelujah. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. For more inquiries, visit our website, www.ebenezaokronipa.com or call 0546-36-3957. God bless you.